Thank you. We have a few minutes for Q&A. That's how your car accident, life traumatizing situation happened. A girl was like sitting on a floor. It was a woman. It was, a woman. It was not a young girl. It was a woman wearing pajamas on her cell phone at a highway exit. I was on the way to a ballet class. I had just installed, I had a grant and I had done a video sound art installation about the nomination hearings for Supreme Court Justice John Roberts. And I had to set that up the night before. And I was, it, everything that could go wrong did go wrong with the setup of, the, you know, it was triple tracked and um, people had to listen to it on headphones and there was a video monitor and I had to go and I kept having to buy new electrical wiring and make sure that the triple tracks could be simul simultaneously heard um, of John Roberts and Joe Biden interviewing him. I had two monologues that were overlapping and I was up very, very late in the gallery the night before. So there was um, the Jim Martin who taught dance at NYU, he's the chair of the dance department, taught three weeks of ballet in Massachusetts about an hour from where I lived in the five college area. And it was his last class and he was just a magnificent teacher. And when I woke up, I was just exhausted, you know, from setting up this installation. So I woke up and I knew I was gonna be late for class, but I wanted to drive them. And he, I was giving him a copy of a short film I'd made that was in a film festival about dancing and injuries. Ironically enough, it was about having injuries, which compared to a broken neck, it's you know like having a hangnail, the injuries that I was dealing with, you know, a tendonitis. So I was taking to him as a gift, a copy of the DVD of the film um, called Dance Again. And I knew I would miss the class, but I roused myself and got into the car. And I understand that this is a common story for people whose necks are broken in car accidents, that they have a story before they got into the car where they almost didn't get into the car. In my case, I was gonna miss the ballet class and I was really tired, so I thought, well, why bother? Well, I'd like to give him a thank you present of this film. And everybody, I, I, it's a really high statistic, like over 90% of people whose necks were broken in car accidents have a story like this, where they had a choice. Like I felt too tired or there was something else I was supposed to do or something was going on. And then they got in the car and so they spend an inordinate amount of time, as I did, going back over it, like if only I hadn't, you know, I could have mailed him the DVD, right? I could, you know, I wasn't going to get there in time for ballet class. So you go through that for a long time. If only I hadn't done that. I mean, 97% of all people whose necks are broken like that are instantaneously paralyzed. So already I had beaten the odds in the moment. But she didn't even get a ticket because the state trooper who showed up estimated the damage to my car and my person at less than a thousand dollars. Now my neck was like this. People think it hurts, it doesn't hurt. But, and so this is a PSA for all of you. If you're ever in a car accident, go to the ER no matter what, because a lot of people are paralyzed overnight, they go home. If I had gone home and fallen asleep, I'd have woken up a quadriplegic. Because it doesn't hurt and you're in shock. It, and so whiplash hurts, but a broken neck doesn't. So my neck was like this and I couldn't straighten it. So I was out and walking and the state trooper assessed the damage to my car and me at less than a thousand dollars. So the woman didn't even get a ticket. And I drove myself to the ER, which you're never supposed to do, but the, it turned out it happened three minutes from the ER. There were, and it, people asked me, did you expect this outcome? I didn't expect anything. 
Well, I mean, I prepared to die, actually. I was dying. 97% of people are automatically instantaneously paralyzed. The other 3% um, survive the accident and then are paralyzed within the first 24 hours because that encompasses people who go home and they go to sleep and then they wake up. Um, and also, the surgery was not expected to reverse the paralysis. It's only done to connect your spine. Hmm. So Christopher Reeve had that surgery. So he was a C1, I was a C4, C5. C4 means you're killed or you're paralyzed. And I do have a cadaver bone in there, which made me very nervous. I'm very squeamish about everything. And I wanted to know from my surgeon, you know, can we find out who that belonged to? And I want to know who it is. And no, we, let's just see how it goes. Because I had seen a law and order. And the point was a lot of people got really ill from cadaver bones. And people were stealing cadaver bones. Like, I want to trace the cadaver bone. But he goes, no, let's just see what develops. And This isn't a question, but like, I've always had this fantasy of Nantucket and here it is like your horror story. <laughs> Are you talking about the horse fucking? You in the summer, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, amazing. so, yeah. but we were living there year round. There are more year rounders there now, a lot more. Way, a way lot more. There are also other, like there's an IHOP in Hyannis now. That would have made a huge difference. I understand, <laughs> you know, you think about IHOP, but yeah, that would have been huge if we could go to the IHOP, you know? <laughs> Right, um, but even now, people who are who live in that area go like, "There's nothing in Hyannis now." But compared to them, like, there's a Trader Joe's and there's a Whole Foods and there's an IHOP. You know, Don Julio's is still there. They really don't go. But, but, um, but most things are closed at that time anyway. But there's like a sh cheesy shopping mall and stuff. But I mean, most people who lived on Nantucket year-round, like, we didn't want to go to shopping mall. You know, who in the X gallery, art gallery, wants to go to shopping? We were on Nantucket because we didn't want to shop. We don't want to do that stuff. You don't. People who lived on Nantucket year-round are we're different. You know, I'm probably I would say more excitable than your average year-round Nantucketer was. But Billy Sherry lived there. That's another Billy who was not a horse fucker. Please don't get him confused. <laughs> With it, oh, I should say that Billy Dexter has left this mortal world a long time ago. Uh, as you look back over your years of uh, treating patients, is there one or two that stands out that you would like to tell us about? Well, I think uh, Pam mentions in the book uh, a gentleman that was quite attracted to horses. And he was he was a fascinating character. Um, he he had a would get drunk and become quite entranced with the animals mm -hmm. in, in not a particularly tasteful way. There's a film showing called The Grey Lady, which Sean Shea has made. John Shea married somebody in the X Gallery. He's an actor, and he's been on Law and & Order. And he's directed and written a film, and Billy Sherry is in it. So if you see that film, please don't think he's a horse fucker, because Billy Sherry is a sculptor. And he's a really brilliant sculptor who was from the X Gallery. Um, so it's a different Billy if you see that film. Don't go like, oh, we heard this performance artist talk about the horse fucker, and that's him. That's not him. Nantucket is like basically very small and there's one flat road that goes to Sconset and Billy once gave me a ride in from Sconset and he drove 110 miles an hour. I thought I was on the German, what, what do they call the German? Autobahn. Yeah, so that's how Billy drives and again he is not the same Billy. Um, yeah, well it isn't the same and, and it is funny to watch the summer people, it's not funny to them 
but Hurricane Bob was heading straight toward the island and there were a lot of wealthy people, summer people, waiting on the ferry dock as though they, or they could be airlifted off in 90 mile an hour winds with a major hurricane heading straight toward Nantucket. I mean, yeah, they just, it is, you learn a lot about privilege and the wealthy. And Nantucket compared to Martha's Vineyard is Republican, so it's a different kind of wealth. It's, um, yeah, it's like expensive children walking the quaint cobblestone streets. But, you know, we coexisted with them. So, there, and there's still a community, and you know, there's an, there is an underside of Nantucket, of course. I mean, there's a huge heroin problem on Nantucket. So this is, these are year-round people who work, you may have gotten the impression, in um, what, you know, like blue-collar jobs. I mean, like, at, you know, these people, some of them are very sophisticated. Catherine herself is a writer. She writes uh, really fascinating novels under a pseudonym. And she was also a brilliant artist whose every piece of work was about AIDS. Um, because we're very near Provincetown, but it was very removed. But this is 1992. And they were heading toward the peak of deaths from AIDS on Provincetown, which is a largely, you know, gay male enclave. So, you know, but it seemed like we were very remote. I mean, that people drank, yes, that was true. That was, I didn't know what we were going to (laughs) do during the winter months, but that turned out to be an activity. (laughs) There's more now, uh, from what I understand. There's more now going on because there are more people. I think there are 10 times as many people living there year-round than there were when I lived there. There were so few people living there when I lived there that you just knew, ever, you know, I mean, if you could walk down the street and say, there's the horse fucker. I mean, you know, it's a small, very small community. So, have a lovely evening, rest of the evening. Woo!